Today we're talking about the inner life and the transition from a normal conversation to inner life is sometimes difficult to make and sometimes it's intimidating to do so. You're having a conversation, you're exchanging pleasantries with somebody, you would like to move this conversation on to a look at the inside. It's like when you say, how are you? Just fine. And then you get back together later and you say, really? How are you? How are you holding up? How are things going? And you have an opportunity to actually ask about the inner person, how they're doing, how the struggle is going, what's going on inside. That transition is a real key transition that Jesus brings about here with the help of the woman. Sometimes you have a Nicodemus come to you, or like the Hindu man, who just makes the transition themselves, you know? And sometimes you need to be able to say, have you been thinking about spiritual things or, or just what's going on in your heart? You realize somebody's hurting and you move from there to the condition of the inner life. Let's see what happens with Jesus and the woman at the well. This is John chapter 4 now, and we're continuing to read in verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. This woman has an inner life, as do we all. It's the life that happens on the inside of us. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, he's talking about the decision to love, the motion of love, the action of love. And he is saying, how you do that is with your heart. Well, the word heart is used 700 times in the Old Testament to describe the inner you, the real you, the essential you, your personality, who you are. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. In the Hebrew, that's the word nephesh, a place of desires and feelings, volition, the inner you. Your strength is really about your character, who you are on the inside, the inner you. And Jesus answered the great, commission, uh, great commandment, mind. Love God with all your mind. A scientist can take the brain and analyze it. It is a physiological organ. But think about the difference between the brain and the mind. The brain takes all that sensory information that's coming in from everywhere, from your eyes and ears and, and your smell and taste and touch, 
and it integrates it with feelings and desires and experiences and knowledge and things you have already inside of you in the past. And it creates a world, a mental world, the mind, much greater than the brain. It's the inner you, the inner you of desires, ambitions, dreams, hopes, guilt, shame, frustration, confusion. The scripture says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So today we're talking about all that is within you and how you take the conversation to that reality. We think we have to do it ourselves. We think we've got to fix ourselves on the inside. If something's broken, if something's not right, if we're not feeling good on the inside, if we're disappointed or frustrated or confused, if we've got troubles, if, we, if we're wounded, we feel like we need to fix it ourselves. I think the woman of Samaria has this sense that she ought to be able, she ought to be competent to fix what's wrong on the inside of her. And when she goes to this well, she knows she's competent about the well. She's been there many times. She knows that it's a deep well. She comes with the right equipment, with a bucket and a long rope. She knows if you drop that bucket, it free falls for some time, and then it splashes in the water. When Jesus says, I want to give you living water, she says, this well is deep. This well is deep. I tell you well, it's how you tell it's deep. Look at the biceps on this woman. They've been drawing water from the well. Think about how much work that is. That is work, my friend. This fella is a stranger, and this woman is an expert on this well. And like with the well, we suppose that as human beings, we ought to be able to handle what's going on in the inside. I'm a psychologist. I'm a trained psychologist, somebody might say. And I know what happens on the inside of people. I don't need some stranger sitting by a well to tell me about that. I can handle that myself. Or I'm an engineer, and I've studied wells all my life. I know about aquifers as well as buckets and ropes, and I can handle what's going on on the inside. Or I'm a physician, and I've studied anatomy, and I understand the human body, and nobody has to tell me how to fix what's wrong on the inside when deep down inside we know it's broken and we can't seem to get it together. And no matter how well educated we are, relationships fall apart and things become self-destructive and we wonder why we don't have the competence to fix what's on the inside. Truth be told, no matter how many degrees after you have after your name or how long you live on the planet and what kind of experiences you have accumulated, sometimes you feel helpless and out of control and you realize you need help from somewhere. We have this sense that we ought to be able to do it ourselves and therefore we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We think that the solutions we have will solve the problem on the inside, but we get thirsty again every time. We go back and back to the same well, thinking it's going to fix what's wrong on the inside of us, and it just doesn't do it. Because the real thirst that a human has 
is not just water from a well. We're thirsty in another way, and this is what Jesus knows, and this is true about whoever you talk to at work or school or wherever you might be. People are thirsty. They're thirsty for love. They're thirsty for acceptance. They're thirsty for forgiveness. And they're thirsty for meaning in life. They want their life to mean something. The Samaritan woman might say to us, you know what? My life is all about coming to this well every day. And I've decided this is my purpose in life. My purpose is to get the bucket, make sure it's right. Get the rope, make sure it's long enough. Come to this well and make sure I'm strong enough to get all the water that my family needs. And that's the sum total of what my life is about. And there are people who will tell you as you go along in your life that you ultimately don't have a purpose that is given to you from above. That There's no God directing your life. There's no real meaning about your life here on the planet. You actually are an accident. That you're a byproduct of some process that started millions of years ago and here you are, showed up. What a surprise to everybody. No guidance to the process. You just got to invent your meaning. And so maybe it means that uh, you go to the well every day and that's your purpose. Or you think of some purpose. There are philosophers who suggest that because human life is really purposelessness and meaningless, then you need to invent something. So think of something, maybe something good, maybe something you enjoy, collecting comic books or old Lionel trains, and, and that's your purpose. That's why you're on the planet. You just think of something, invent something. Albert Camus said that basically your life is absurd. It's absurd. And what you need to do is have the courage to face the fact that the thirst for meaning and purpose in your life will never be satisfied. And you just need to defy that and live your life anyway the best way you can. Jesus is telling this woman, I've got some water for you. You can't get this yourself. If you drink this water, you will never be thirsty again. The inside thirst of your life will be satisfied. See, we are people who believe that God made the world and everything in it. You know, some people believe that the world itself is an accident, that somehow it came out of nothing, and here it is. We don't believe that. We believe in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, that you don't get something out of nothing. And the something that gave birth to everything there is is God. And God wants to be known. He wants you to know him. He is a God who speaks and acts and works in our lives. And he, he wants you to know that you're his, that he made you for himself. And what we have here at the well is this wandering Samaritan woman who encounters her true God at the well. We have in this narrative a conversation between an ordinary woman who lived her life out every day and went to the well to get water 
and God himself in Jesus of Nazareth, calling her to himself. There is in this your purpose, your meaning. God has created you to love him and enjoy him forever. And he has sent his one and only son, Jesus, born of a virgin, died on a cross, paying the price for your sins so that you can be healed on the inside, know him in a personal way, and have in you a well of water that springs up to eternal life. God wants you to know him. He wants to be known by you, and he knows you as well. Now, we must receive the living water. He offers it. We must receive it. Jesus is sitting by this well. All his friends are gone. Are we going to be washed away? <laughs> it's just raining and raining. Lord, let the living water flow. Amen? It rained four inches in 90 minutes in my house yesterday. Maybe it's going to do that again. Jesus is sitting by the well. His friends are gone. He doesn't have any money. He's on a journey, but he doesn't have any luggage. He doesn't have a bucket, and he doesn't have a rope. He doesn't have any knowledge that the woman knows of about this well, and so she says, you have nothing. You want to give me some living water? You have nothing. You have nothing to draw with. This is a deep well. You can't just lap up the water here. you got to have something to get. You have nothing, and that's really true, isn't it? Here's this Jewish man sitting by the well, and he's got nothing. He doesn't have any store out somewhere. He doesn't have an address to which he can invite her and say, this is my house. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't know any technology. All he's got is the clothes that are hanging on his shoulders to cover his bare skin. That's all he's got. And I think about Jesus and me. See, I've got on my computer the prayer I composed for the mayor on Wednesday before he gave a speech on violence. And when I was writing it, I was thinking, you know, this is neat that he wanted me to offer this prayer. And I've got an open document on my computer that is an invitation to Bill Cassidy and David Vitter, our sitting senators, to meet with me when I'm in Washington here in a couple of weeks. And when I put that together, I thought, you know, this, this is important. Jesus has no such invitation from Herod to offer the prayer anywhere. He hadn't got any appointment to go see the governor about some important matter. He's not going to be lobbying for any bills. He's got nothing, you see? Can you see Jesus sitting by this well, tired and weary, and he's got nothing? And you work all your life for something. 
You store it up. You build bigger barns. You get a bigger house. You get more cars. You get more toys. You fill up all the closets with your clothes, and you think somehow, I'm going to have meaning. I'm going to have purpose. This is finally going to slack the thirst in my heart for something else, and it never does, and you've got to build bigger and more, and it never fills the soul. Why? Because this man who's got nothing, who's sitting at the well, he has what you need, and it's himself. That's it. That's it. See, when you finally strip it down to Jesus and only him, now you're there. Until then, you hadn't got it yet. You hadn't got it yet. You think that religious activity is what it's all about? No. You think those disciplines you're developing, that's what life is all about? No. It's about the man at the well who's got nothing but the clothes on his back And he's the one offering you living water, and you cannot get it anywhere else, friend. It's not available from anybody else, just Jesus. See, we're all in the whoever. Whoever drinks from this well, this stuff, this technology, these computers, these goods, these cars, these dreams, these bank accounts, whoever drinks from this water, they're going to die thirsty, longing for what they'd never obtain. Whoever it is, whoever on the planet, no matter what they got, power, money, prestige, they're going to die thirsty. But whoever drinks from the water I give them will never thirst. Yeah, the whoever's for everybody in the room, too. Everyone who drinks of this other stuff, thirsty. But anybody in the room, want to connect to Jesus as your way, your truth, your very life. Whoever drinks this water, never thirsty again. It's the picture of Jesus that we got to keep in our heart. No trappings, just him. He's God come down to earth as a man, calling us unto himself, loving us with this first love. We love him because he first loved. And this first love that Jesus has for this woman and God has for you is an unconditional, passionate, and wonderful love. Your love is secondary, okay? Your love has conditions, but this is the first love. This is God the Creator, stooping down to the lowest place and offering Himself to a woman at the well. And this is a picture of God Stooping down this morning to this very place and saying, I'm the bread. I'm the water. I'm what you've longed for all your life, and I'm the only one that can satisfy your soul. Come to me. All you weary, heavy laden, come to me. I will give you rest. Bow with me, please.
somebody in the room needs to pray and say, God, I'm in turmoil on the inside and I know I can't heal myself. Would you confess to God your need of him? Would you open your heart to the Savior who loves you? Ask for this living water only he can provide. God, forgive us when, even after knowing you, we pursue other things with mistaken hope that they will satisfy us. Bring us back again to the well within that never runs dry. Remind us, Lord, you are our bread. You are our water. And there is no other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.